Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, June 24th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, we hear from congressional primary candidate Mike Azell, then a battle over shipping and sediment in the Mississippi River. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. initial Republican primary in Mississippi's deep red 4th congressional district split amongst candidates. Incumbent Representative Stephen Palazzo fared best, earning 32 percent of the vote. Jackson County Sheriff Mike Gazell came in second with 25 percent. Now the two are headed to a June 28th runoff. Mr. Azell tells Mississippi edition producer Rob Lane he's confident he's the best man for the job. I bring over 40 years of law enforcement experience to the job. You know, I've always had a strong reputation to show up, stand up, and work hard for the people and get involved in in the hard work that needs to be done. I've done that my entire life. I did it when I ran and got elected for sheriff. You know, there was a lot of problems with the the sheriff's office at the time. The sheriff had been removed from office, and uh, I ran and got elected, and and I've worked hard, and, and like I've always done, I'll be the guy that shows up, stands up, and works hard for South Mississippi. You mentioned a couple of times in there showing up, and I know that's been a hallmark of your campaign. And I think it's safe to say that the implied attack there is against the incumbent, Stephen Palazzo, who you've criticized for not being as involved in his work in the community as you think he could be. Yes, I think he should have been here more. And, and I didn't make that up. I When I started going around the district and talking and asking people, that that's what was the common thing. Where's he at? Where's Stephen Palazzo? And that's what the people say. And uh, that's what got me involved in this election. And I think it's, uh, you know, if you're going to get elected to office, you need to be on the job. You need to be in the district. You need to be in Washington. You need to hear the people and try to attend to their needs. And that's what I've done as sheriff. And I've done as a law enforcement officer my entire career. Is there a political difference? You know, looking at your platform and looking at 
Mr. Palazzo's, Representative Palazzo's voting record. I think there are a lot of similarities. I think you have similar sort of broad political philosophies. Do you see yourself as having key differences in opinion on specific issues that you think voters should be aware of? I think the voters should be aware of my strong stance on law enforcement. And yes, we do have some similarities. But what I will tell you is the difference between he and I is that I will be at work. I will be on the job. I will be in the office. I will be in the district. And uh, those are some of the things that I hear from the people, which if, you know, that's who we, we represent is the people. And uh, that's what I'll do. You mentioned that you've spent pretty much your entire career in law enforcement. Representative Palazzo says that that's indicative of someone who has sort of gotten through life as a government employee, perhaps doesn't have a good feel, a good appreciation for the private sector. Your response? Oh, I absolutely do. I tell you, I'm very proud that I've worked for the state and for the city and for the county as sheriff the last seven and a half years. And I tell you, that's really a slap in the face for all the men and women in law enforcement across this country and across this state uh, about being a career county employee. I'm very proud to say that I represented my district, my county, my city, wherever I was. And uh, I have no problem saying that, yes, sir, I've worked for the state. I've worked for the county, and I'm proud of it. And uh, I've raised a family. I've took care of my community, and uh, I'm very proud of my record. Being a longtime law enforcement officer, I'm sure you've kept a close eye on uh, the bill that has, has been proposed that is set to be moving through the federal legislature to implement new federal gun control guidelines. Um, is that something you would vote for if you were in office? No, when it- I'm against that, and it's just another gun grab, uh, in my opinion, and uh, I would be totally against that. There is real concern over safety in schools and other public gathering places in this country. How would you keep folks safe? I'd bring my law enforcement experience, and I would work to help train and fund uh, not only uh, more police and to have police and a law enforcement uh, presence in our schools and, and public functions. I will also help to try to train some of our uh, teachers, administrators that could be involved in protecting the uh, students and staff at school districts around the country. I was campus police cap or chief for that school school district for several years. I put some good policies in place to help protect uh, students, administrators, and uh, I'll do the same thing if I go to the Congress. Would you be open to any a la carte gun control measures like a ban on extended magazines or universal background checks? Or do you firmly feel that any restrictions on firearms are a violation of the Second Amendment? I think that what we need to do is address the crime problem. It's not a gun problem. It's a crime problem. And I would stand against any regulation, law, or anything like that that would take away our Second Amendment right. And I'll continue to do that. How would you fight the crime problem? I would do it like I've done here in Jackson County. I've always been one to identify uh, areas where we're having problems. Uh, We attack the problem where the problem is so that our citizens can have a better place to live and raise a family. And, uh, you know, this madness that's going on around the country about defunding the police, I'll stand up in Congress and fight that because that's just craziness and everybody knows it. And, uh, you know, the way to attack crime problems, go where the criminals are and arrest them and make cases against them to stop them and put them in jail, especially if they use a firearm to make sure that they serve their entire sentence for whatever crime they've committed. 
especially when they use a firearm. Let's talk about the issue that I know is at the top of most Mississippians' minds right now. Inflation, high gas prices, the looming threat of a recession. What's your plan? Right. Well, I'll tell you this. You know, the, the, if that's where I hear a lot around the, around the district about these gas prices. And, you know, Biden is continually saying that, you know, we've got places to drill, but the oil companies won't drill. Well, he's put so many uh, regulations on them uh, that they can't afford to make a profit at these places. And, you know, businesses, whether it be the oil industry or whatever, you know, they, they, they're in business to make a profit. And I think that we need to uh, fight the Biden administration through uh, laws or whatever we can come up with to stand against these uh, regulations that are being forced on these folks that are trying to make a living and do good for the country, uh, we need to stand up against those things and try to come up with some ideas to fight uh, the uh, oil regulations. You know, our our um, food prices are going through the roof. People tell me that. And, uh, you know, one of the problems that we're having is, you know, when the trucker has to continually pay the high fuel price, to get the goods to market. So, you know, we, we've got a continual problem there. We need to work with that so that we can get these fuel prices down. And it goes back to the Biden administration opening up some of these leases. He says he does that, but uh, he's not being truthful when he says that because what he's doing is he's, he's jacking up the prices of these permits to drill in these certain places. I know Mississippi lost rigs during the pandemic when drilling was way down. Do you see there being federally implementable solutions to potentially address that? Yes, I think we need to ex- always explore all avenues. And that's one of the things that I've done as sheriff, and I've said this as a uh, law enforcement officer for many years. A, a law enforcement officer, deputy sheriff, or police officer is a problem solver. And I think that there are many opportunities out there to explore all of our options, wherever they be, new sources of energy or to continue on with what we have. I think we need to just explore and work as hard as we can to make things better for our people so they can earn a living and uh, provide for their families. You're a fiscal conservative. If you were to go to Washington, you would also be a representative, a federal representative of a state that receives a lot more in federal funding than it contributes to the federal pot. How would you balance that, and what would your sort of macro fiscal philosophy be? Yeah, my, I, I, I will present things just like we run our own household. You know, when you, when I get paid, and at the end of the month, when we have either excess money or not, you know, if you can afford to go out and, and do some things for, uh, you know, I guess you'd say for enjoyment or recreation, you go and do it. But, you know, we can't continue to spend money that we don't have. And that's what we see going on around the country right now. We've got to stop, you know, and that'll be part of, you know, this inflation issue. Keep printing money we don't have. We keep spending money that we don't have. And I'll do that as hard as I can as a, as a congressman. I've done it as a sheriff. I do it as a uh, provider for my family. But we can't spend money that we don't have. June is LGBT Pride Month in the United States. In Congress, how would you deal with issues related to the LGBT community? Well, I'll just tell you this. If people want to uh, live their own lifestyle, I I have no problem with people living their own lifestyle. When it comes to someone trying to uh, force their 
values and, and morals and lifestyles on me that I don't agree with. I don't agree with it. But people have the right to live their own lives, do whatever they want to do in their own way. That's what this country is all about. It's about freedom. It's a right to expression. If you want to live your life like you want to, that's your business. It's not my business to try to run your life. Do you support the right of gay people to get married? If they want to get married, that's them. I don't agree with it, but if that's what they want to do, they can do it. You would potentially be joining Congress, as you said, as someone who does not have a long history in this kind of politics. As you said, you worked in law enforcement for a really long time. An important part of being a congressional representative is representing your district well, right? It's not just understanding the problems. It's not just having the right ideas. It's having the ability to be a sophisticated politician and being able to work with other folks in your party and across the aisle to get things done. What gives you confidence that you'll be able to do that? I've done that my entire life. When I took over the sheriff's office, the sheriff, like I told you, had been indicted and removed from office. And all the police chiefs were all upset about the way things had been going on. They all came to me and said, Sheriff, we want you to reclaim and take over the narcotics unit, which we have done. And one of the things we've done, we've built a coalition not only with our local law enforcement, but with our state and federal partners. And we do that because no one person is trying to take the credit for the success. We've had great success here at the Jackson County Sheriff's Office. And, you know, with over 40 years of law enforcement experience, you know, I've got my degree in criminal justice from Southern. I'm a graduate of the FBI National Academy. I was assigned to the FBI office for three years as a uh, special uh, agent, you know, assigned there from the police department. So I understand how things work in different jurisdictions. I'll apply that same knowledge if I go to Congress to work hard for the people every day. And, you know, at the end of the day, uh, people want to know, number one, that you care about them, number two, that you'll be available for them, and number three, that you're just all around have your the district's best interest at heart. Same thing I've done during my career as a police officer. Mike Gazelle is sheriff of Jackson County and a candidate for the Republican nomination in Mississippi's 4th District Congressional Race. We'll hear from his primary opponent, Representative Stephen Palazzo, on Monday's program. Coming up, a battle over shipping and sediment in the Mississippi River. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Over the past few years, the Mississippi River has found a new way to flow into the Gulf of Mexico. Is that a good thing? Well, it depends on who you ask. Lena Tran is with the Climate Newsroom Grist. She shares with Rob Lane what she learned in researching her newest piece. The Mississippi River basically just grew a new channel over the past few years. Um, And the name of this one is called Neptune Pass. And it's way far down on the southern stretch of the Mississippi River. It's about 55 miles southeast of New Orleans. And basically, it's 
a crack that formed in the east bank of the river. Um, it's in what we call a levee, which is kind of those high banks that we construct to keep the river in place. But this crack formed, and all the water is rushing from Mississippi River through this crack. And so it's caused the crack to grow wider and wider and wider over the past few years. Um, and so now it is a full-fledged channel that they're calling Neptune Pass. And it's, you know, big enough for boats to go through and take this uh, shortcut into the body of water on the other side, which is called Quarantine Bay. And there are stakeholders on both sides of this, right? There are people who want to keep it around and people who want to get rid of it. What's going on there? What's going on at Neptune Pass is kind of a really good example of how complicated it is to manage the Mississippi River. Um, so it's the Army Corps of Engineers' job. They're tasked by Congress to manage the country's waterways, um, including the Mississippi River. And the Mississippi River is, you know, this huge highway of industry. There's oil and gas shipments that go up and down it. There's agriculture, you know, upriver. The Mississippi River is irrigating agriculture. And so the Mississippi River is really connecting the entire nation to, like, the global economy. But at the same time, you know, the stakeholders on the other side that you mentioned who are interested in Neptune Pass um, are people that are concerned about Louisiana's land loss problem. Louisiana has been losing a lot of its coast and its wetlands. And what's really cool about Neptune Pass is that um, as water is traveling through this new channel, that water is carrying a lot of sediment. We're talking about like sand and grit. And that sediment is piling up on the other side and it's actually forming these like tiny little lumps of land. And so the people who, you know, uh, Louisiana's Coastal Protection and Restoration Authority, people that are really concerned about coastal restoration, you know, they want to see land building. They want to see coastal, you know, renewing the coast. And um, this is kind of a natural way that that happens. Um, but basically, you know, you're building new land that can protect Louisiana and a lot of the coast from hurricanes, floods, storm surges, and from just this very existential problem, which is that Louisiana's coastline is just melting away. And so you have this situation where, as you write in your piece, if I understand correctly, the Army Corps of Engineers is actively working to close Neptune Pass while also contemplating the potential benefits of keeping it open. Is that kind of right? Yeah. Uh, so it's really complicated. The Army Corps, you know, the way they see it, their number one priority is to maintain navigation on the river. And so the reason that Neptune Pass was leading, you know, it was throwing off ships because it was taking so much water out of the Mississippi River that the current was actually slowing down. And when the current was slowing down, uh, all the sand that was in the river water started to fall out of the current. And so it starts to fall out of the current and it's on the riverbed and it's like piling up into, uh, you could think of it as like a speed bump on the bottom of the river. And you have these huge ships that are coming in and out of the southern part of the river and they are running into these, you know, sandy speed bumps. And so that's a problem for the Army Corps. Uh, so the Army Corps wants to get rid of the speed bumps. They want to seal the pass. At the same time, like you said, they recognize that, you know, Louisiana needs as much help with coastal uh, rebuilding as it can get. And so the question that they're asking is, is there kind of a middle ground where we can 
kind of close it off so that, you know, the ships can keep traveling, but maybe leave uh, this kind of gate slightly open. It'd be like 10 feet across or something like that. Um, and leaving that opening would allow ships to still, like small boats to still go through. And it would more importantly allow uh, water, which is carrying all of that land building sediment to keep traveling through. You mentioned how big a role human activity and climate change play in just what the Mississippi River is and how it behaves down near where it meets the Gulf of Mexico. And I'm curious, is Neptune Pass entirely natural or do scientists think that perhaps this pass opened because the Mississippi River is behaving in unusual ways because of climate change, because of human activity? Mm -hmm. That's a really good question. Um, So yes and no. Um, (laughs) So basically what happened at Neptune Pass, uh, this crevasse is kind of the scientific lingo for it. That behavior is totally normal for the Mississippi River. Um, The Mississippi River has been doing that for millennia, or it has been up until about 140 years ago when we started managing the river and kind of lined it with these banks that wouldn't let it wander, partly because, you know, we have people living in the floodplains all the way up and down the middle of the country, and then also because of all the ships that they wanted to, you know, keep traveling smoothly up and down the river. So because the Army Corps, you know, maintains the Mississippi River for flood control, for navigation, they don't let crevasses like Neptune Pass form. However, you know, Neptune Pass only formed because it happened to be so far down south on the Mississippi River on the East Bank where um, the Army Corps isn't managing it as strictly because there aren't towns there. And so, you know, if there was a crevasse like this that was going to form, it was going to be where Neptune Pass is uh, just because it's not managed as strictly you know if elsewhere if something like this happens army corps would put a cap on it like pretty much right away that said the scientist that i spoke to you know he said that it's possible that you know neptune pass might have formed because uh, in the past 15 years or so the mississippi river you know all the way has seen a lot of high water which is something that would be climate change related um the high water coming from like really heavy rainfall uh the kind of like extreme precipitation that we uh, link to climate change. So then I guess my only remaining question, and you've already partially addressed this, is what happens next? What will the Army Corps be watching for as they continue to weigh this decision? And what does this mean for people living on the Gulf Coast? You know, I guess that when we're talking about Neptune Pass and, you know, we, it's interesting because it's a natural behavior of the river, but it does kind of represent a disruption of the status quo on the river, which is, you know, uh, all the things that we need the river to be for us to keep living the lives the way that we are. And so um, the Army Corps of Engineers is working closely with the Louisiana Coastal Protection and Restoration Authority um, to kind of come to a decision as to what the best way forward is um, that would kind of You know, I think that the hope is that they can find a middle ground uh, between what Louisiana's needs are on the coast and what the Army Corps' needs are with uh, managing the ships. You know, scientists want to do more modeling, but at the same time, the Army Corps wants to act pretty quickly. So I think that, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see in the coming 
months more immediately with the construction that the Army Corps does. And then, you know, it'll be a matter of months, I think, before scientists can really see what's going on. Lena Tran is with the Climate Newsroom Grist. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Stick around for a full morning of Mississippi Radio. Coming up at 9 is the Gestalt Gardener. Then at 10, it's Next Stop Mississippi. And at 11, don't miss Southern Remedy. Find past installments of this and other Think Radio shows online at mpbonline.org. I'm Desiree Frazier. Join us Monday again at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition only on MPB Think Radio. Have a good weekend.